0: You're listening to the Candid Conference Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Pardee. I'm a spiritual life and business mentor helping you create a life of freedom and purpose. On this podcast, we chat all things mindset, spirituality, and entrepreneurship. My job is to teach you how to believe in yourself, connect to yourself spiritually, and go after your big dreams. Girl, let's do the damn thing. Okay, hi guys. Welcome back to the Canon Confidence Podcast. I have a guest with me today, Juliana, and she's amazing. You guys are gonna absolutely love her. Her and I are actually friends. We met online in a group that we're both a part of, a course actually, and we became accountability buddies. And so we chat every week and we've become friends. And I'm super intrigued by her story and the message that she's here to share. It's really, it just really resonates with me. It goes along so well with what I know you guys are interested in. So it's going to be so good. Okay. So Juliana is an international yoga teacher and owner of Holistocrats Yoga and Wellness, a yoga studio in Coral Springs, Florida. At her studio, she's on a mission to help beginners to, to yoga. To heal their pain and relieve their stress, they can stay calm and strong amidst life's challenges. When you can't find her teaching on her yoga mat, you can find her reading, adventuring outside and having fun doing acro yoga. Ooh, I wanna try that. that. Is that like aerial yoga, similar? Kind of like partner yoga where you play together. It's really fun. Wow, okay, I need to check that out. That sounds amazing. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, so excited to hear from you. Why don't you start off with something kind of fun? Tell us something interesting about you that you don't think I already would know or that you think would surprise us. Mm, something that I, four or five
1: years ago, I completely shaved my head um, when I lived in India. So I don't
0: know if I told you that. I don't think I did wow so what what was like the purpose of that as well as the purpose of india like what were you there for
1: yes great question so when i ended up in india because when i did my yoga teacher training i literally was just looking for one that fit my schedule i did it when, when i was in college so i needed one that fit in my two weeks of like winter vacation after christmas had happened So I just Googled some random one. I went to Costa Rica for two weeks, got my teacher training certification. And as I was in teacher training, it wasn't the best one, but the best thing that I found was Uh, we were watching a movie during the training and a Rutgers professor popped up on the screen and I went to Rutgers University in New Jersey and I was like oh I wonder if he still teaches there so I went home in and googled him his name's Edwin Bryant and little did I know that I had the world renowned like leading yoga philosophy teacher at my fingertips so I immediately signed up for his classes and I completely fell in love with like the Bhagavad Gita and the Yoga Sutras it was this whole deep Spiritual philosophy side of yoga that I was really searching for. And during that semester, he offered a trip to India over winter break. And I didn't know this at the time, but it was actually like to go kind of at his personal ashram. Of course, as a professor, he doesn't tell you that. I didn't know that. Um, And I went for three weeks. I took a Hinduism class and I completely fell in love. It was North India, like it's illegal to eat meat there, it's illegal to drink alcohol, I was trying to become vegetarian. So it was just this amazing experience. I just felt like I needed to continue to learn. I needed to come back here. I needed to really understand the roots and the culture of yoga, which is so important to me as a yoga teacher. And so when I graduated, my professor was actually taking a sabbatical to write his next book. And he was going to be teaching back at that ashram with a couple of my other teachers. So I decided to sign up for the program. And so I went there for four months and during that time, one, um, it's not very, like the ashram I stayed at, we didn't have like a shower head, we showered with a bucket. And so like on a practical level, it was very hard to wash my hair. And on more of like a spiritual level, what really motivated me to do it was actually was like always dyed my hair when I was younger, like I really had really blonde hair, I always like went fake tanning and had fake nails and really just felt like I wasn't pretty enough and I had to look how a Barbie doll looked. And so I really wanted to like get away from that attachment to my physical appearance. And so um, I decided to shave my my head and not wear makeup while I lived there. Um, and it was just a very, very interesting experience.
0: Wow. Okay. Way to kick off this episode with something so freaking interesting. You know, usually I feel like if I was asking that question, you'd get something like a just like a funny fact or something, but that's really cool. How amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I guess the
1: fact I normally say is I can put my leg behind my head, but like, I could do that since I was three. But when I normally answer, that's
0: what I say. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, now I'm even more intrigued. I want to hear your story. I want to hear like, how did you initially get into yoga and spirituality? Um, Did you have a spiritual awakening? Like, tell us that, like, kind of you're like your upbringing and like when you got into spirituality yes
1: so I got into spirituality when I was 14 so I lived in a really really nice town I was super privileged in that way um and all my friends had really nice clothes and I wanted them and my mom's like I'm not going to buy them for you like she was is so like against materialism so she was like I'm not gonna buy that for you like hell no So I was like, I need a job then because I'm getting my $300 pair of jeans. So at 14, you don't have a car. You can't really go anywhere. So I needed a job I could walk to. And so I lived in a really big community and I ended up getting a job that was half a mile um, away from me. So I'd walk there every other Sunday and I would pack college textbooks into boxes, tape them up, and then they would be shipped out. It was this woman who ran her own business. She bought college textbooks and resold them. And so during this time, it was like a very pivotal time. I was super depressed. I, my stepdad had just died of brain cancer. My biological father had moved to Florida um, with another family. Like, um, So it was just a very, I was very depressed at that time. And also going through high school, I was trying to, like I was saying before, change everything about myself, like change my hair and my boobs and like all the things. So I was very depressed and I go to meet this woman. And she just starts talking to me. I really felt like she was the first person in my life who really saw me. She treated me like another adult. And she started talking to me about like the law of attraction. And she introduced me to the secret. She started talking to me about chemicals and GMOs. And I worked for her for seven years, all four years of my high school. And then three years while I was still in college. And so over, it took like about three years. She had gone every Sunday on the Sundays that we weren't together to the center for spiritual living um, in new jersey and finally after three years i was like okay i'm ready to learn more like kind of what's next will you take me one time and so she took me and i just had never experienced a community like that that was so open that was talking about energy and that we vi- were vibrations and there was other people who were into this and so every other sunday basically she would take me to the center for spiritual living we kind of go to like a Sunday service and then she'd take me out for an organic meal. And I was like in this, in the closet kind of doing spirituality, but it really saved my life. It gave me hope that like I wasn't powerless, that I could create what I wanted to create. I actually started to begin to feel better. I started practicing meditation and Reiki and reading self-help books and doing mirror work and reading Louise Hay and... Going to see Doreen Virtue and like my life completely began to change. I actually started to feel like begin to feel happy and begin to like feel really good. And so I, I was like really, really into it. And then I my first year of college, I went to a really small private school in upstate New York and I couldn't go hang out with my spiritual friend once a week. And so I just went the polar opposite direction. I went really headfirst into just drinking, like just such into college culture. We would go out to the bars and I would just get drunk all the time. And I left that year going, I'm super depressed again. Like, but I'm doing all the things that are supposed to make me happy. Like, I have friends and we're partying and I'm hooking up with boys. Like, why am I still so freaking depressed? And I'm like, oh, because I'm missing out on the, thing in life that actually makes me feel good. Like I've tried to do all the things that society says will make you feel good. Look a certain way, dress a certain way, do this, didn't work. And so then um, I ended up transferring schools and continuing to work for this woman. And during that time, she had switched her book business into a Reiki business and she had opened up a Reiki practice. And I got attuned to Reiki and it was just completely completely changed my life. And then in college, I was walking around downtown. I actually got into yoga. Uh, Reiki first, Reiki led me to yoga. I was into yoga, to meditation and Reiki and nutrition before I'd found yoga, because the woman I worked for wasn't really into yoga. And so I was walking downtown one day and, um, at my school and I saw a yoga studio that said Reiki share. I'm like, oh my God, like, I wanna go. I wanna go meet other people, like where are my people at? And so I went and I actually didn't really like the Reiki Share. So I called up the owner and I was like, Hey, could I like run my Reiki share here? And thank God her name was Carla. Bless Carla's heart. Cause I was super young, super inexperienced. She took a chance on me and she said, yeah, of course. She was like the nicest woman ever. And like maybe four weeks later, I ran my first Reiki share. I had 20 people show up. I don't think I'd ever led like a group meditation before. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what opened me up to it and what kind of got me into doing, teaching the work, not just doing the work.
0: Wow. That's really cool. So, okay. So then when in your journey with yoga, um, when did you start noticing that the kind of unwelcoming side of the industry or the side that just kind of doesn't embody the core principles of yoga. Like, when did you start to see that come to play? Uh, Such a great question, Leah. So this is totally my
1: thing in the industry. You walk into a yoga studio, they say they're about community, but you walk in and the front desk person scrolling on Facebook, they don't greet you. You don't know where to put your shoes. You're already intimidated because you can't twist yourself into a pretzel. You go in, you don't even know how to put your mat down because there's no instructions of like where the teacher is gonna go, and I just had that experience so many times. Like I had a lot of social anxiety, and so anytime I would personally go check out a new yoga studio, I was anxious. And I'm like, I'm a yoga teacher. I know what I'm doing. I could only imagine what it's like for somebody who's actually new to the practice. What it's like for them when they actually take that step to walk in, and. I just got so angry reading, I'm a big Brene Brown fan, just like you, I love to read, I'm always reading. And so I was reading, I think, Dare to Lead, and she says in there, like, there's a difference between saying what your values are, and then having behaviors that match your values. And there's a lot of yoga studios, unfortunately, out there that say they value community, and they say they value you but then they don't know your name. They don't know why you're on your yoga mat. They don't show you where the bathroom is or how to put your mat down. And it doesn't create a safe space for you to come in and actually do the deep inner work, which is possible when you're on your mat. Like if somebody is, if your teacher doesn't know you and they don't see you and they don't know your why, you're not going to feel safe to actually allow yourself to have an experience on the mat where you can release stored trauma where you can begin to peel back those layers where you can feel safe enough to cry on your mat um and so i just that's really what part of what did it for me just actually seeing that and observing that and being like hey what they say they value and the behaviors to match that value don't actually match up and it doesn't actually create a safe space for the students and so something I actually teach my yoga teachers in training is I never have to say this place is a safe space people will tell me that because people feel it when it's actually a safe space you don't have to say it right it's like if if you don't need to like state the obvious but when it's not a safe space that's when teachers are always like this is a safe space this is a safe space but it's not actually a safe space, they're just saying that or their words don't match their actions. And so I'm just really about being in integrity. So I do what I say I'm going to do. And my actions match my values. Yeah, that's one piece of it. And then the other piece is, you know, yoga isn't business. And so I being a yoga teacher, I taught all over New York City, Hoboken, all over tons of franchises at gyms, like every place possible. I've probably taught somewhere like it. And so I really saw what was like underneath the curtain, right, sometimes people idealize being a yoga teacher or a healer, but the same thing that happens in other industries also happened in the yoga industry. And so I really got to see some behind the scenes of what it was like, and I didn't like what I saw. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do it differently. And I don't stand for this, and I don't want to be a part of it, and it was kind of ugly. And so that also motivated me to want to do it in integrity.
0: Mm, So then you open up your own studio, Holistocrats, which I think the name is so good. Thank you. Awesome. What are some other like, okay, so in the yoga industry, like what are some myths or even lies that you kind of want to reveal and shed some light on that people might not be aware of?
1: Oh my God. I love this question so much. My favorite one, probably my most controversial stance is there's no such thing as all levels yoga. Okay, let me explain this to you, okay? In an all levels yoga class, this is what happens. A beginner comes in, they come to the class and the teacher doesn't actually teach how to do a yoga pose, right? There's a lot of areas, especially like in Chaturanga, even upward facing dog in the whole vinyasa where you could actually get injured if you're not doing it properly. But the teacher in an all-levels class doesn't break down and teach you how to do the poses. So the beginner leaves the class feeling like, I can't do that. I did it wrong. That's not for me. I was twisting into a pretzel. And then the more advanced practitioner, this has happened to me so many times, you go into the all-levels class and it's not actually challenging for me because it's trying to be for everybody and it's actually for no one. Mm -hmm. And so- the advanced practitioner leaves being like, that didn't challenge me. Like, what was that? And then the newbie leaves feeling like, I can't do yoga. Like, it's just kind of like in the coaching industry where you say like you have, you can't just, when you talk to everybody, you talk to no one, you know, like that kind of saying. So it's like yeah. the same thing happening in yoga. And I feel so bad every time people come up to me and say, try to yoga class. I couldn't do it like they said they welcome beginners, but I left feeling like I couldn't do the poses. And I'm like, no, it's not that you don't like yoga. You just went to the wrong class. That's all. So that's a really big one.
0: Yeah. And I feel like even like a beginner going to an all levels yoga class, like there's probably new people in there and sometimes it might be mostly everyone who's more advanced. And so then you're seeing people doing all these crazy things and you're just like, oh, you're like Either you get down on yourself, you start to compete, which yoga is like not about competing with other people. Yep. Um, you start to push yourself, like not that you shouldn't push yourself in some ways, but pushing yourself versus someone who's advanced. Yeah, that makes so much sense to kind of put it that way. That yeah, like in all levels, yoga really, really doesn't make any sense to have that. Literally none for all the reasons that you just
1: said. Like the beginner will go look at the advanced people and be like, compare themselves. And what I tell my students is, well, like, I've, I've been practicing for 12 years. You started three months ago. We're in totally different places in our journey. And so our practice will look different and that's okay. Yeah. Another big one, another big myth is that like yoga, yoga is all about doing headstands or handstands or crazy inversions. And, Don't get me wrong, that's a really beautiful part of the practice, but that's not actually what the practice is about, right? So many people, it goes into one of the other myths is, so many people say, I can't do yoga because I can't touch my toes. Well, let me tell you, yoga is for you because you actually learn how to be flexible by practicing yoga. And so the real work of yoga and why I love yoga and the part of yoga that I fell in love with is actually the deep inner work. When you step on your mat, your mat is just a mirror for you, if you get on your mat and you take it as a spiritual experience and you use your mat as an opportunity to learn about yourself, to show up for you, to take care of yourself, your your mat can teach you so many things about your inner dynamic. It can show you your limiting beliefs. It can help you step in and embody the next version of yourself. And so that's the part of yoga that I really like, that it's about that and not about, oh, can I do a handstand? And, there, and a disclaimer with that is, is that also learning how to do a handstand takes a certain set of discipline and focus. And so I don't wanna um, downgrade that, but that's actually not what it's about. It's not about hitting a handstand or nailing an, an inversion. It's about you getting on your mat with a commitment to do the deep inner work with a commitment because what gets in your way on your mat gets in your way out there in life, right? When you're on your mat being a perfectionist, am I doing the pose right? That person's better, like comparing yourself to other people you can see your own shit on your mat and then choose to have acceptance, choose a new story, choose to do it differently. And so the mat is just your safe space to do the deep inner work if you show up and that's what you're on the mat to do.
0: Does that make sense? yeah but i've never like heard it put that way i've never thought about it that way that makes so much sense um yeah i feel like it's really powerful and like i've been doing yoga a super long time i started with my mom when i was like 13 but i never understood like i just thought oh here's A type of workout here's all the different ways to work out and yoga is one of them so up until a few years ago like I didn't even know that there was like a spiritual and a healing and a mental health element to yoga and a a physical health healing side but I thought you know you would go to the gym or you would go for a run or you would do yoga and that's all it was and I love that you're getting into the specifics of how to use like yoga as a tool for healing because there's just so much more to it than having it be this like competitive thing where we're just going in and seeing if we can do a handstand and then feeling like shit if we can't. Yes, I'm so happy
1: you bring that up, Leah, that it's exactly that, that people also think of it as just exercise. And depending on what studio you walk foot into, it could be seen as that and only you're focusing physically on doing the movement. So girl, I'm giving you some of my classes on me, come take them. You will have a whole spiritual experience on
0: your mat. It will be
1: unlike, anything you've ever experienced. It's going to be amazing.
0: Oh my God. I love that so much. And if I live near you, like a hundred percent, I would come to your studio. I absolutely love like everything that it stands for. And I was going to a studio here um, in the fall. It got shut down because of COVID, like just for the winter. I think they're open now, but it was very it almost felt like a boot camp like first of all it was all levels so but everyone there was advanced because you couldn't do it if you like it was very intense it was very um just like forceful i would say and it it just kind of felt like this isn't really what yoga's about it didn't really feel right i liked that it was advanced and challenging because that made sense for where i was at but i just kind of felt like it wasn't it wasn't incorporating the the deeper sides of yoga. So maybe you can shed some light too on like, how does yoga, like what are some of the mental health benefits and even like the physical healing benefits? Like why is that part of yoga too? Girl, let me take a moment real quick to tell you about the latest healthy hack that's made its way into my life. A couple months ago, I was searching for K-cups that were half-calf, and I couldn't find anything. I love coffee, and I sometimes need a second cup in the afternoon, but too much caffeine makes it hard for me to fall asleep at night. I'm out here trying to live my best life, and sustainable energy is a huge part of that. When I finally found Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee, I was like, okay, let me give this a try. It has half a cup of organic coffee, and then the magical part is mushroom extracts. Chaga mushroom and lion's mane are added for a boost of energy without the crash of coffee and immune support too. I was definitely skeptical at first because I really didn't expect it to taste very good. And I also thought that it wouldn't energize me the way that coffee does, but it totally did. And I don't experience the crash right after lunch like I did with regular coffee. So if you're ready to give it a try, head to the link in the show notes and use code Candid for 10% off. Full disclaimer, I found and tried this coffee on my own, unsolicited, and then decided to partner up with them. This is a product I genuinely love and I wanted to share because I'm a believer that too much caffeine really can contribute to energy crashes and anxiety. So once again, that code is Candid and you're saving 10%.
1: Yes, absolutely. So first off, yoga is, according to the yoga sutras, the stilling of the mind. And so because they say when the mind is stilled, you can experience your true nature. So, and when the mind's not stilled, you're caught up in your thoughts, right? That like explains life, right? We want to still our mind because when our to-do list isn't going, when we're not worrying, then we can experience our true nature. And so there's so many mental health benefits of yoga. The first is for me, it has massively reduced my anxiety. My consistent practice of combining breath with movement, anxiety has calmed down. Definitely has made me feel happier, more motivated, more energized. Um, so those are some of the amazing mental health benefits of it, and that—that's what the yoga is about. Yoga isn't actually about the physical parts; actually, about the mind. That's the definition. Yoga is the stilling of the mind, and it explains why that—that that matters. And I mean just as humans, you can think about that like, oh yeah, when my mind isn't stilled, when I'm not focused on something, my to-do list is going or I'm worrying or I'm replaying an old situation that's bothering me or I'm you know, fearing the future situation that might happen. And so yoga is actually all about the mind and yoga knows that when you still your mind, Right, That's where the peace is, that's where you feel calm, that's where you feel strong. So those are some of the major mental health benefits of it that I've personally experienced and many many others have. There are some like research studies about yoga and like reducing anxiety and all of that type of stuff. Um, And then the physical benefits, this just makes me smile so big. This is like another kind of myth and how we do it differently at the studio is that we really use yoga as medicine, medicine to heal the body. That we have like such an amazing track record of helping people heal sciatica, lower back pain, shoulder pain, headaches, like anything physical, as long as you didn't like get into a car accident and have like a metal rod as your spine, right? If you're like an average American who spends a lot of time sitting at their computer, at their desk or texting, looking down, um, and you have something called like sitting disease, and it just from lack of movement, you have aches and pains. Yoga is amazing at helping you heal without medication, without pills, simply by showing up consistently. So that means yes, even when you don't want to, even when you want to lay in bed and watch Netflix or what you know, when you don't have enough time or whatever, you still get on your mat. Over consistency in healing helps relieve pain. Like I definitely highly recommend all the listeners to go read our Holistocrat of the Week stories. That's not my words. Those are actual stories of our real clients of how they healed, like their pain that they lived with for 20, 30 years, that they never thought they would heal, that they went to chiropractors for. And so it's not just... Uh, any yoga. It's yoga experts who know how to work with anat- like anatomy. So there's like a lot of yoga teacher trainings out there and not everybody knows how to do it in this way. Um, so I just also want to put that out there. I think all yoga is amazing, but, but there, it definitely takes a specific like yoga expert who knows how to work with the body t- to do that. But it is amazing. And like the stories that the students tell me the members like that's why i keep going because when i read their stories my jaw drops like their headache went away in one class their their hips opened after 20 years like their their back pain like we had one member who uh (laughs) is just like a miracle i don't want to tell her story because she doesn't she doesn't like it when i share because it's a little embarrassing but it's just like um i'll tell the other part of her story like um she lives on the second floor and she wasn't able to walk up and down the stairs without pain until she started consistently coming to practice with us. And so now she can walk up and down the stairs pain-free. So things like that, it's just like when you never thought you'd be able to get rid of the pain and just consistently showing up your, on your mat and it, it happens. So it's amazing.
0: Wow. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't realize that side of it and that I think, okay, so do you think when people are able to heal physical ailments, do you think it has anything to do with like the mindset part two of like showing up in a space that where you are holding a sacred space and they are feeling welcomed and warm and you do have that healing element there? Do you think that's part of it too? Absolutely. For two reasons,
1: Leah. The first reason of all the things we're learning in our course is that that's what I hold space for. Like I do mad alchemy on my studio, on my staff. I mean, you hear it because I'm sending you the voice notes and it comes true. Like I am the container. I am the source. I am the co-creator of people who come into my space will have a transformation. Their physical pain will be gone. And whatever anxiety, calm, spiritual awakening will happen because that is the space I'm co-creating. And so I do massive energy work on my studio. I actually create the container. And so that's also why it's very unique that if you like read other yoga studio reviews or go to other studios, you won't have that experience, even though it is possible. But I so intentionally created that. So that's one reason, Um, that totally one reason. Well, I forget my other reason now. Can you ask me your question again? (laughs) And then maybe we'll come back to
0: it. Yeah, like like, um, does the aspect of, Going to a healing space and the mental health part of it also translate into their physical body. Totally, and so it ha- absolutely has to do with them
1: feeling safe, right? So I know for me, when I walk into a yoga studio and I don't feel safe, I can't close my eyes. I can't actually go inward. And so I actually made a reel about this the other day. Like when you're a pose, people cry a lot in his pigeon pose, and I actually got this massive response where people were like. I didn't know, like I've cried in yoga too and I didn't know why. And it's actually because our body keeps score. I think I saw you reading that book on your story, right? And so what happens in life is that shit happens, right? We're human, shit happens. And we make it mean that we're not good enough and all these stories that don't feel good in our human nature is to push that away, right? To numb it out, to watch Netflix, to eat ice cream, to scroll on social media. But those emotions don't go away. They get stored in the body actually as tightness, tension, discomfort. And so what we're doing on the mat is giving you an opportunity to, instead of running away from that, to be with it, to learn to be comfortable amidst the discomfort, to learn that on the other side of feeling your feelings is actually freedom. And it absolutely takes a safe space. You have to feel safe in your environment, on your mat to go that deep. So definitely a combination of one that's the space that I hold intentionally that's the safe space I create and three that is why I get on my mat because that's what yoga has done for me so those those three things absolutely
0: yeah that's incredible and you mentioned um you mentioned the commitment aspect you know obviously like sometimes it's hard to hold yourself accountable to doing yoga consistently or doing anything else consistently Consistently. So what are some tips of yours for how people can hold themselves accountable to starting a practice and actually maintaining it and doing it several times a week?
1: Great question.
0: First, find a yoga studio that does a membership
1: option. So it's also pretty standard in the, in the yoga industry to just do class packs. And it doesn't actually serve you. It doesn't serve you because you won't get the benefits taking one class here, one class there. So set yourself up for success. Get a yoga membership where you're committed on a monthly basis and book your classes. But, okay, first thing is find a studio that you love, find a yoga teacher that you love and go try them out. Know that not all yoga is alike. Like give yourself permission to explore. There's so many different styles of yoga. There's so many different styles of teaching. And so really find a teacher and a style that resonates with you. And once you find that, get a membership. And book your classes, put it on your calendar and also really find a place that that cares. Like, so with our members, we're always observing people's patterns. And if they're not coming in their same pattern, we'll give them a call. We'll say, how can we support you? What's getting in your way? So we're also kind of like their consistency coaches because mm. my goal is, it's not just about you giving me the $99 a month about the membership. That's not what my mission is. If you're not on your mat, you're not getting the medicine. And so also finding the the teacher, the studio, the space that cares about you to hold you accountable to also getting on your mat, but to hold yourself, find your teacher, book your classes, put on a calendar and have a support system if that's an accountability buddy or the studio or the teacher that holds you accountable when life happens, because it does happen,
0: yeah. Yeah, I love that. Really, really good. And it's a good point about, yeah, like trying places out and then commit because that that membership is like what holds you accountable. So it's a really good point.
1: Totally. And it's actually really in your favor. Like you're not going to get the healing if you don't show up. And just like I was saying before, whatever excuses that get in your way, like I teach this in my yoga teacher training, like, um it's all about making the impossible possible and so you're always going to have the excuse there's not enough time i can't do it i have too many things to do there's this thing over here you're to worry about i don't have the money right there's always going to be that excuse running in your head and like i tell my students i'll have massive compassion i will hear you i will hold space for you and then i will raise the standard because I know that you're up to some big things and you get to show up for yourself and I'm not going to buy into your excuses. So just letting that also be as an opportunity for you to reflect, like what's getting in my way for showing up for myself? What am I making more important than me in my health, my physical health, my mental health, my happiness? What am I making more important? Oh, there's not enough money. There's not enough time. I can't do it. Well, how can I make it happen? That's the question to be asking yourself, not all the reasons why you can't do it. How can I make it happen?
0: Yeah, such a good point. And like, not to take anything away from, from people who really are struggling financially, because certainly that that's the case a lot of the time. But what I find in my own personal experience is I'll tell myself the story of, oh, I can't spend money on that right now. I don't have the money. And if I really look at it, well, a lot of the times I either do have the money very much do or i could make it work if it's a bigger a bigger investment and i just i've just noticed that with myself my default excuse is is money and it's holding me back from doing something out of my comfort zone so that's just what my brain tends to say to me is oh Leah, you can't send money on that or like don't spend money on that or we can't do that um and then once i tell it once i realize it oh well yeah I, i can do that um you know if i was going out for drinks and i bought two drinks a week that would be the cost of that right like and then i'm like oh okay well then I'm, then my brain just comes up with a different excuse so i think whether it's money whether it's time whether it's anything else people should take a look at those excuses that pop up especially consistently and really get honest with themselves and say okay do i really not have the time Or am I choosing to spend the time on Netflix and scrolling Facebook, right? Like really getting honest with ourselves because we have to understand that joining a yoga studio when you've never done it before or when, or even when you've just been, you haven't left your house in a long time because of COVID. Now things are open. There's going to be some maybe discomfort and some out of the comfort zoneness about it. There will be excuses that follow. It's your job to ask yourself if they're really true. So I love that you brought that up.
1: Yes. It's so, so true. And if the, the money story is actually true, not just an excuse, there's resources. That's when you use YouTube. Like there should be nothing that stops you, right? Because we're in the information age, right? Like you can YouTube it for free and get your friend to hook up with you on Zoom and YouTube the class together. And I will say, there's nothing like a live class, even if it's on Zoom. But like, if the money thing is real, like still use your resources, right? Like there is, I just don't buy into any excuses of why you can't do it. Not in today's world. Like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So don't let yourself off the hook. Don't let yourself off the hook.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we all do it with different things. And I find it so interesting just looking at like, oh, like maybe my social anxiety has gotten a little bit worse um, due to, to being more isolated this year. Maybe that's why I'm feeling uncomfortable doing the things I want to do. Right. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's so important to take a look at those things. So
1: it's hard because that's the work Leah. That's the work. And that's why, sorry to interrupt you before your next question is that's actually why I love yin yoga. Have you ever done yin yoga before? I don't think so. Oh my God, you would love it. So it's actually where you hold the poses for anywhere from three to five minutes, but you're not doing like warriors or headstands. It's more meditative. And actually the whole point of the class is to practice being comfortable amidst the discomfort, right? Because it's everything we want in the yoga class, in the inn, and out there in life is right outside of our comfort zone. So it's actually literally training you to be comfortable amidst discomfort, not pain. And it actually teaches you how to listen to the different sensations of your body and how to build up your resilience. So for anybody who's struggling to be comfortable being uncomfortable, I highly recommend taking a yin class because it will train you mentally and physically.
0: Oh, I love that. Okay, so there's another, is it called, I don't know how to pronounce it like gai Kong or Kai Gong? Qigong? Yeah. Is that similar?
1: (sighs) I don't think so. So I'm not exactly familiar with Qigong, but I think it's more of like yoga with energy. That's from ancient Chinese, I think.
0: Yeah. I've done a little bit of that. and it's, it's like more, I feel like it's more slow moving kind of like, um, it's more of like a live meditation. I could be totally wrong. So nobody quote me on this, but I feel like it's almost kind of similar, to like a live moving meditation with a similar idea where you're like doing the uncomfortable, like doing it fast can sometimes be more comfortable than forcing the slowness, but then that allows you to connect with the body and the breath and like bring that meditative um, practice to it too. You're so right. That's exactly what happens with people. We're so used
1: to being so busy, running around, kids, laundry, food, partners, moving and moving because when we're moving, we can't slow down enough to feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, All just a big distraction for ourselves. You just said it. Yes,
1: exactly. So actually moving slower is harder. It is. It's so important though. So important. So important.
0: So, okay. What about, what are some other things that you do throughout the day or do you have a morning routine? Like what else do you do to set your mindset up for success?
1: Oh, I love this question, so many things. So I normally set like the first hour, hour and a half to me. And so I have like a toolkit. So some things that I love are reading. I'm always reading self-help books. I love going on walks with affirmations that I send to you all the time, those are one of my favorite things. I love meditating and visualizing my goals. I love doing my personal practice. And so what I'll do in that first hour After I wake up, drink my lemon water. I drink my mushroom coffee and I'll actually just check in. I also love to journal. So I'll just check in and be like, what do I need today out of my tool toolkit? I'm going to do something for me, but what is it that I need? I found when I'm trying to be so rigid, like every day, this is just for me personally, when I have to wake up and do my practice right away, I actually resist it because I don't want that much structure. But when I say, Hey, I'm going to take the first, 60 minutes to 90 minutes. For me, these are your options. What do you want to do? I get so excited because I'm not restricted to just this one thing because every day I also wake up feeling a little different. I need something different than what happened the day before. So that's my toolkit. What's really working for me right now is my my practice and going on my walking with affirmations. Those are my two favorite right now.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I've, I've, I kind of go back and forth, but for a long time, I did like more of a disciplined morning routine, which I think, I think at some points in my life, like when I had to wake up at 5.00 AM to do it so I could leave the house at 6.00 AM for work and then come home at 6.30 PM. And like, life was crazy. I think that kind of helped. It also helped me like establish, like do doing meditation. I did at first, like three minutes, and then I did five minutes in the morning, like that helps, but definitely now I prefer like, I ha- like okay, what do I feel like doing right now? What does my body need right now? Would it be a walk? Would it be yoga? Would it be reading? I love starting off the morning reading too. Um, so yeah, I definitely like that side of just letting it be free and flowy and, and not making it a chore. Like I think we don't want to make it like, okay, well now I did my morning routine or okay, now I have to do my morning routine. Like it really shouldn't be like that. So I think, yeah, finding that balance is always good.
1: I love that you said that we're like checking it off a box or something like mm. it's not for that purpose. And you're so right. Like different phases call for different ways of doing it. And so I, I spent so much of my life going and going and going. And so I'm trying to tap more into my feminine and be more into like what feels good to me and really practicing, trusting that. And so that's one easy way that I can do that every day, but it just depends. Like you said, where you're at, sometimes it's better to have that more discipline and sometimes it's better to just check in and go with that. But no matter what, I know that that's the first thing I'm doing in the morning.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I definitely like in my earlier 20s and stuff up until, I don't know, like not long ago, I was like super masculine. Like I was just going and going and crazy and busy and just i life was just so fast paced, even when it didn't need to be because I was addicted to that, that was normal. That was what I was programmed to be like. That was what society, that's what society says is good. That's a winning. That's like our competition culture coming out. So for me, tapping into the feminine side by allowing myself to slow down and flow and like make it playful and light is so, 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 so
1: important. Yes, and that's actually my, um, like, uncomfort zone or like outside my comfort box right like I could really easily nail a morning routine that was like do this and do this and do this right so it's actually like my personal stretch right I'm always about expanding growing like I just believe that we're always on this journey of evolution and so getting stretching myself kind of like a rubber band stretches like that's my stretch like you just said like I was also we're, we're all kind of programmed like that right to go and go and do and we're idolized the more productive we are and the more awards we win and it's that very masculine energy which I definitely think has allowed me to get to where I am and I'm so happy for that and I get to also bring in that feminine of like oh yeah it could be easy and flowy and more relaxed and divine so
0: yeah yeah definitely feel you there So what's something right now that you're learning, maybe like studying on your own or, or maybe just a personal growth thing that you're working on? Like what's, what's that right now that you're really excited about learning? Yeah.
1: The biggest thing that came to my mind was boundaries. Like I love this topic. I feel like I'm always got, get something new to learn in this topic. That was one of my, has probably been my biggest life lesson, starting with my family, to my friends, boundaries with myself, but right now really learning boundaries with my team, boundaries with my clients, and finding a loving way to say them. And so at first when I became a baby yoga studio owner, I was really into people pleasing. I wanted everyone to like me. I didn't want to upset anybody. I feared how they would respond. And so now I set really clear expectations from the start. and. With, with the studio members, I'm really good at reinforcing them, but it's really just working on and learning boundaries with the team and how do I respond when I've set a clear expectation, they've agreed to do something, and then they don't do what they've agreed to, to do. And so really just learning that, one of my biggest learnings and pain points and struggles has been really cultivating... I have an amazing team now this has been taking years of work to get to and I feel really supported by them and it still gets to be better but that is something that I'm always in the questioning learning um I'm actually doing a book club with some of my girlfriends on an amazing book on boundaries and so I'm, I'm really always excited about that because boundaries protect me protect my sacred energy and so I'm always up for my next level of learning with with that
0: yeah, I love that. And I feel like that's something that most women can probably relate to because we we are we're raised to be people pleasers, kind of, you know, like we're rewarded for being perfect and pretty and sweet and lovable and kind and all nice qualities, but boundaries also come into play.
1: We're <laughs> taught and kind of trained. I think I read this in a Brene Brown book that women are supposed to be small and quiet and we're not supposed to like speak up right and so it's just against how women are supposed to
0: be so yeah yeah we become people and and human nature is to be a people pleaser is to be want to be accepted so of course that comes into play but yeah that's such an important area of of study what about a favorite book that like has transformed your life. Like what book do you, you want everyone to read that has blown you away?
1: Oh, definitely the gifts of imperfection. That and that and untamed are probably my top two favorite books. It's like yeah. Oh that's a really hard question. Oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> I know. But if I had to narrow it down to two, <laughs> if I had to narrow it down to two gifts of imperfection because it's like a pra I love how Brene Brown wrote that book cause she took a research and made it applicable. Like you could read that book and you could go and apply it to your life. So I love that. And just when I read Untamed, I felt like Glennon got it. Like she saw me, she gets what it's like to be a human. She, get what, she gets what it's like to be in this human experience and be on this spiritual journey. Like, And she adds stories and humor and
0: relatability, like those two books. Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't read Gifts of Imper- Imperfection yet, but everyone talks about it. Um, and it's funny, Untamed actually was probably like a year and a half ago. Someone, a guest on the podcast recommended it and was like, I love Glennon Doyle. You have to read this book. And I I I've read all of her books now and I am just so obsessed with her. I don't, yeah, I had, I mean, I read constantly. Anyone who, who like knows me or follows on Instagram knows that, but she just writes, man, a whole new way. I mean, she lets, she just it's raw it's raw and it's real and you read it and you cry like to do do you yes. cry when you read her books
1: oh my god yes because she touches something so deep yes. in you that it's like that me too feeling like holy shit go you get it nobody gets it and expresses it the way that she can. yes it's just she's so she what I love about her she lets herself be so human mm-hmm. she's not to be human and then share her human list. And, and instead of it being something that shamed or looked down upon or judged, she celebrates it. And it's just like, yes, this is what we should have been doing all our lives.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's just like, yeah, she, she just talks about normal human life experiences, but nobody else does that. Everyone else is just trying, like, I'm guilty of this, trying to make my life look fabulous and trying to seem perfect and trying to seem uh knowledgeable she just tells you how life actually is I'm telling you guys if you're listening to this you haven't read Glennon Doyle's books Untamed is amazing her other books are amazing you will not regret you won't regret it if you read it and you'll cry but it'll be the the it's like a good cry like it, she just tugs your heartstrings and makes you feel things it's insane she's write more books like she needs to
1: hundred percent she needs to hundred percent it was crazy how i found her book i was actually going to the bookstore to get gifts of imperfection and her book love warrior jumped off the shelf yeah, and I, thought, yeah I gotta get this book and i read a love warrior like i think in two days and i was like this woman this woman yeah. she gets yeah. it and then when Untamed came out i like gifted that at the time to all my friends i'm like you gotta read this book you gotta was like in class instead of being silent in shavasana i was reading her chapters because you know i also love untamed because some of the chapters are like two or three pages like it's such an easy read the way she reads it so sometimes even in shavasana i'm like reading her book because i'm like you don't need silence you need to hear this
0: (laughs) oh my gosh yeah i've gifted her books to several people as well i mean everyone needs to i mean they're just so relatable you'll find something to just be like wow I feel so seen it's it's unreal yes
1: and even every time I reread them I get the different thing that I needed at
0: that time I was reading I love that I don't do enough rereading of books I feel like I'm always so excited I always have a long list of recommended books um, to me so I'm just always like reading the next book but when I reread books I find like I just I'm like wow yeah, I, I like didn't pick up on it the first time or it sinks in deeper. It's always a good experience. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. I'm sure everyone is ready to go follow you on Instagram. Everyone's wondering how they can learn from you um, and just anything you want to share, share how to follow you and, and anything that you want people to know. Yes, you can follow me at Yoga.
1: And our website is holistocrats.com. It's spelled like holistic rats. Um, I would spell it, but sometimes I still spell it wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I actually have to look it up though. Uh, it's on my shirt. H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C-R-A-T-S, holistocrats. And we do have hybrid classes. So for those of you who aren't local to South Florida, you can join online via Zoom um and we have evening classes so it's perfect for for after work and i'd love to have you i'd love to open you up to the other elements and aspects of yoga and just one big community and party and definitely grab your yoga props that was something i forgot to mention when you're talking about yoga mist, but we love yoga props at our studio so yeah. thank you so much for having me Leah this was so
0: fun Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. I'm going to drop all of her links in the show notes. You guys can check out her website and follow her from there. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. And guys have a beautiful day.